What's up, guys and girls? Another week, Blitz on the Balcony. I am Zach Zook, presented and brought to you by Bruise on the Balcony. We're all still alive, at least so far. Uh, coronavirus is uh, making its way through the U.S., but uh, we're still here. Uh, hashtag we're still here. We got a pretty good show today. Uh, we're going to talk about the CBA update. Um, looks like that bad boy might pass after all. So uh, we'll talk a little bit about the CBA. We'll give a free agency update. That'll probably take up a, a good portion of the show. Talk a little Tom Brady, uh, some Dak Prescott, and some uh, different guys that'll shake up the landscape. And then to finish up the show, we will talk about some different teams and what their draft needs may be. Um, we actually, you may have noticed that we didn't have any sponsors, and I don't have any ad reads again this week either. So what I'm going to go ahead and do is we're just going to straight shot this bad boy. Uh, we're not going to do segments. Like I said, we already have the topics. I have those written down. But we are just going to go straight down the list, one shot, one show, <laughs> Less editing, and uh, and and we'll and we, and we can do it. So uh, the first topic I want to talk about is the CBA. Now we talked about this at length uh, last week, and I went you know not clause through clause, but we got pretty deep into the weeds on what this new CBA covers, what it would change, what that could potentially mean, and what the players would be gaining and losing. And the owners and vice versa. So I stated on the show last week that I think that this is a really shitty deal for the players. And that I would be surprised if it gets passed. Now, according to reports, they expect the new CBA to pass. And I still think it's surprising. I still think that the players uh, are kind of getting railroaded on this. I really don't care what the media says. It, just because it passed... Uh, I. I still don't think it's a good deal for the players, and I'll I I think that it's very similar to the CBA they signed ten years ago. Because if you think about it, what has changed? They haven't changed any structure to the franchise tag. They're not changing any structure to the transition tag. They're not changing any structure as far as free agency goes. They're not changing any structures of trades. The only thing that is changing, in fact, is they're going to play an extra regular season game under the CBA, which will inevitably be inflated to 18 games in the next CBA. And a team is losing a bye in the postseason because they're adding another team. So more football all around, which for us fans and for me is great, but for the players who are the most at risk, and the ones taking the risk with their bodies on the line every Sunday are going to be asked to do more for more pay, yes, but it's more pay at the bottom of the tree. So one thing that I think I failed to recognize was that the vast majority of players, and I, I think I brought up the example last week that Oh, uh, let's say you're a $10 million player. And I talked about, you know, the examples under the new CBA of what their finances would look like. Well, I think one thing I failed to recognize is that the vast majority of the NFL is minimum guys, guys that don't make a lot of money. 
So the minimum is $500,000. And we talked about how one of the uh, uh, arrangements, I, I think I talked about J.C. Treader's post, who is one of the reps of the NFLPA, who was actually running for, uh, I think, to be the president of the uh, NFLPA of the of the players. So uh, he had a pretty good tweet, and we dove into it uh, about what he said had to say about the CBA. And he mentioned that about how the minimum would rise from five hundred thousand dollars to eventually seven hundred thousand uh, dollars under the next two or three seasons, because then the cap would rise as well. Um, now, I think one th- one thing that is I think resonating with a lot of these players is that's a lot of money. Uh, to put it in perspective, if you got a raise from fifty thousand dollars, which is the national average here in the United States of America, up to seventy thousand dollars, you would do it. That's a twenty thousand bump, right, per year. That's a very sizable raise. Just like for these NFL guys, oh, the vast majority of them. Make the minimum or close to it, right? Not very many NFL players ascend to become a $10 million a year guy, like an Aaron Rodgers who makes $30,000 a year, like a Jared Goff, a Carson Wentz, these quarterbacks, right? Or Richard Sherman, who when it's all said and done, will have made on and off the field, I'm pretty confident in saying he will have made over $100 million in his career. Most of these guys will never achieve those heights. So they want to cash in when they can. So for them, if you're saying, hey, extra $200,000 to play an extra week 17 football game, they're like, where do I sign? And I think that it shows and demonstrates why the Players Association in the NFL isn't quite as strong as some other leagues because the leverage isn't there. But I do think that they have it in this scenario, and I went over that last year. There's no urgency for them to sign this. But the vast majority of the players would be making more money. So again, an extra two hundred grand a year for one extra game, they look at that bottom line and they say, again, where do I sign? Now, I think what, where, they're, where they're messing up here is they're not fighting for the money enough. I think that they get caught up in stupid things that the owners really don't care about, like the legalization of weed under the new CBA. They're not going to test for marijuana anymore. Zippity fucking doodah. The owners do not care. I mean, at the heart of it, there's 32 owners. How many of them do you think use weed in some way, shape, or form? Maybe not ripping bongs in the office, but how many of the 32 owners do you think probably use marijuana? I would be willing to venture more than you would probably, more than a few, more than you would probably think. I mean, Robert Kraft was getting rubbing tugs down in Florida. So I think that these guys do a little bit more than what they let on. So at the end of the day, I don't think the owners really give a shit about the legalization of weed. They don't care about that. They don't care about practice days or training camp or time off. That's the coach's problem. They don't care. They're paying these coaches a fortune. Deal with it. Figure it out. So what they care about at the end of the day are the dollars, and that's what the players need to fight for as well. And I don't think they do a a good enough job of fighting for that because 
you're going to now play a 17-game schedule, and in in 10 years, it will be 18. I 100% would bet the tip of my pinky, Big Cat style, that when they do the CBA again in another decade, the proposal for 18 games is going to be on the table. Whether or not that passes is up to the players, but that is it's 100% a bridge to get to 18. So, to... to to fight for $200,000 in minimum salary, and of course the cap's going up by sometimes $20 million a year because the NFL is so successful and the ratings are so high, that is really, I guess, what where the where the players, I guess, are, are betting on it. But you, you're seeing a 1% increase in revenue from 47 to 48%, which is a lot of money, and the minimum is going to go up two hundred grand. but we're talking about we're talking about pennies here when it comes to the owners. They're not fighting for the real money, I don't think. And that's where I think that they're missing the point a little bit. Now, I think the Players Association is doing what they believe to be the right thing. But I, I, I got to tell you, these guys like Aaron Rodgers, these guys like J.J. Watt, who have made so much money in the league, I don't think are a very good voice for the league, and we saw them come out so strongly against the CBA, these guys that have a voice, well, they don't really represent the majority of of NFLers. The majority of NFLers are guys on rookie deals that are end-of-the-roster guys that aren't going to see second contracts. They want to get their bread and capitalize on this while they can. Because the second they get cut from an NFL roster, their money-making potential over the course of their lifetime decreases dramatically. If they can make five hundred grand and turn that into seven hundred grand a year over the life of a four-year deal, that's a significant raise to them. And it's probably worth it to most of them. And so what the NFLPA needs to do a better job of is either fight for that minimum to be significantly higher, to fight for money changes in terms of salary, in terms of how free agency works, because they are taken advantage of and bent right over the table when you talk about the franchise tag. There's really no limits about how you can use the franchise tag and the transition tag. They're not taking away one or the other as the current CBA stand, as the proposal stands right now. Uh, I I just think that the players, I understand why they're, why the vast majority wants to pass it. I don't think that the guys at the top and the people at the top of the NFLPA have done a good enough job of fighting for the money. And I, I, I think that $200,000 for the minimum guys is just not good enough on the CBA to play a 17th game to put an extra team in the playoffs and to get really no changes in terms of the way your contracts work, which is extremely team-friendly. And don't let anybody tell you different. And I really, really appreciate the brand value of teams in the NFL. And I say that all the time. I'm not some pro player guy. And, and the players obviously should want the league to have success and be successful because the more successful the league is, the more money you'll make. Case in point, this, this new round of TV deals is going to be gigantic. So, therefore, they're upping the minimum. I just don't think they're, they're pushing hard enough on that because golf, I think, was in the billions of dollars on their recent round of TV deals. What do you, what the hell do you think the NFL is going to sign for? I mean, 
it's going to be astronomical, and the owners are going to be rolling in it. And so I just don't think they've done a good enough job fighting for the for for what really matters. And at the end of the day, I think that it looks like from the reports that this thing's going to get passed. And I think in two three years we're going to look back again and be like, wow, you know, they kind of got raked over the coals yet again by the league because they didn't fight for anything that that truly matters to the players' wallets and their health. Uh, I, I think that you would have had to give a lot more than two hundred grand at the bottom of the pay scale to force the entire league to play another game in the regular season, thus shortening the offseason by a week, mind you, uh, and increasing playoffs, playoff games. So, I mean, if you think about it, if you end up being the seventh seed, that extra playoff team, you would then play, you would get into the postseason. Sorry, no, not the seventh team, the second team, because the second team loses their playoff by, right? So you would play the 17 regular season game schedule, so there's an extra game there. If you were the second team, you don't get a buy anymore. So guess what? You're playing on Wild Card Weekend. There's an extra game there. And then you have the rest of the postseason. I, I just I don't know. I don't think two hundred grand two hundred grand on the on the on the scale of the NFL and the money making beast that it is, that's just I'm I'm sorry, that's just not enough for me for me to put pen to paper if I'm a player. And I I tried to lay out I think why the the vast majority of the NFL uh, doesn't really care and wants to just sign it and capitalize on the raise and take the money and run. But I think the Players Association is is really coming up short yet again. So let's let's move on. Uh, that's our CBA update. We're going to talk about the free agents now. Uh, a couple different guys. First off, Tom Brady. Um, I'm hearing reports that for the most part on Twitter, it's it sounds like it's not really going to be about the money. And I heard that New England reportedly was set to offer him twenty to twenty-five dollars, twenty-five twenty-five million a year in that range. And I think I said I'd pay him about twenty, uh, but I wouldn't pay him, you know, thirty plus like what the guys are making now. So that does not surprise me. Um, I, I wouldn't have been shocked to see uh, Bill just completely lowball Tom. But I think Bill, there's an obviously mutual respect there. And as much as there's a rift uh, caused by the success and how long they've been together, Bill, Bill knows how valuable Tom is. And if he can get him back at a price that he feels comfortable with for the next couple of years, he'll try to do that. It, it, it's interesting because I still think that the Titans are are in play for Brady and I think make a lot of sense for Brady. But if the if the Patriots are offering him between twenty and twenty five million a year, I I feel like Tom is maybe gonna take that. Now uh again the reports were that it's not gonna be just about the dollars for him. He's made so much money and his wife makes so much money that it, he does not care about that at this stage of his career. He wants to win. And so I heard it's more about what is New England going to do to put the roster in a better position to win? Because we know the scheme is outstanding, but the top flight players are at a minimum. I mean, if you think about New England's roster, do they have a premier edge rusher? No. Do they have solid O-linemen? Yes. Do they have elite O-linemen? No. Do they have elite wide receivers? 
No. They have Julian Edelman, who again is a great football player, but is he, you know, some elite talent? He is not. They do not have elite backs. They are pretty good in the secondary. I mean, their most elite player is Stephon Gilmore, who they signed in free agency to a very lucrative deal. But outside of that, again, the roster, I mean, if you were to just put any other coach in the NFL and, and give them that roster, the results would be drastically different than they are under, under Bill right now. So I think Tom's biggest concern in this free agency is going to be, I mean, what team are you going to put around me in the next couple of years? Because I think he got kind of tired of getting crushed last year. And so when he realizes, you know, I might be able to go to the Titans and the Titans could be losing Jack Conklin, their right tackle, but they have ways around that and ways to replace it. They got Roger Saffold in free agency from the Rams last year. They still have Taylor Lewan at left tackle. It's a very strong offensive line with a very good run game that has finally developed really an identity as a team. They have a top 10 defense and he has a connection to the head coach, Mike Vrabel. So I think the Titans still make a ton of sense. And if I, it gun to my head, I really don't know. I think it's, it's very clearly between those two teams. And I think I said last week, if it's up to Bill, I think that Tom is going to have to find somewhere else to play. But with the reports coming out this week that they were, are prepared to offer him 20 to 25 mil, they're just waiting for this new CBA. Nobody wants to sign a deal until we know whether or not the new CBA is going to be in place or not. Uh, teams, that's really kind of held things up here. A lot of times, even though the league year hasn't started, half the free agents have already uh, agreed to contracts in principle uh, before the year starts at this time. And so that has held things up. But I think that uh, Tom, I think there's still a really good shot that Tom goes and plays for the Titans. Um, I think that both of the teams courting him, like the two main options though, I think will be okay if he doesn't choose them. So it's a very, very interesting situation because you have the Titans who could just turn around and run out Ryan Tannehill, and they'd be fine next year doing that. And you have the Patriots and Bill Belichick, who if Brady walks, no big deal. He'll start Jared Stidham. He'll draft somebody. He'll sign a guy in free agency. Bill doesn't think like, oh shit, I need to get a, I need to get a starter. I need to trade the farm now or give Andy Dalton $28 million a year. He doesn't think like that. He'll, he just thinks, well, we'll figure it out. I mean, we got, we got, we drafted Jared Stidham last year out of Auburn. We've been developing him for a season. Uh, you know, that's not the way Bill thinks. So the Tom Brady thing is interesting. Now, Dak Prescott, he is the the main free agent I want to focus on. I had heard that Dak Prescott turned down $105 million guaranteed in, in, his, in this recent contract that the Cowboys had offered him. Now, I don't know the validity of that report. It was reported by reputable journalists, but who knows? So... If that is true, he is absolutely out of his fucking mind and (laughs) out of his fucking gourd because that is pretty much, I mean, that's, that's more than I'd feel comfortable paying him. And I like Dak Prescott. I think he's a fantastic leader. I think you can win a Super Bowl with Dak Prescott, but he'd be getting, if this report is true, in the range of Jared Goff and Carson Wentz type money, and he's not even close to the talent that those two guys are. 
the, I mean, if, if you look at him last year, he's a big reason. I, I know the stats say that they had a great season. He had a great defense behind him. He had a fantastic run game. He had Amari Cooper. He has this awesome offensive line. And he was a big part of the reason they didn't make the playoffs. I mean, how about the dud he laid in Chicago? How about all those games down the stretch in which he looked rather pedestrian? I think that he's getting a little bit crazy, and he's getting some bad advice from his agent. If he really did turn down $105 million guaranteed to be the starting quarterback, long time, lifetime likely, of the Dallas fucking Cowboys. I mean, what are we doing here, Dak? Because nobody else is offering you $105 million guaranteed. I guarantee it. There's no way the Miami Dolphins or the Chargers or one of these other quarterback needy teams can be like, oh, that great talent Dak Prescott is available. There's a reason he was drafted in the fourth round. Now, he has overcome that, but he doesn't have the arm talent or the physical gifts that these guys that are drafted in the first round that are now on their second contract or in extensions that are making a lot more money, he doesn't have those gifts. His his greatest gift is his leadership. And then beyond that, it's his toughness. And then beyond that, it's his ability to command the huddle. And then beyond that, it's maybe his decision-making or ability to read the defense. That's like his fourth best thing. It, like... His, he does not have the intangibles, and he throws a fine deep ball, he can make all the throws, great. But he is not some Carson Wentz, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Drew Brees in the pocket. And I think that we need to stop pretending that he is. It is absolutely ludicrous for him to turn down this deal if, it, if that is indeed a, a real report that's out there. If they actually offered him $105 million guaranteed and Campbell's Chunky turned it down, then he, he's out of his fucking mind because he is not going to do better than that. We saw Le'Veon Bell lose a bunch of money in free agency. He got saved from it being a catastrophic loss in money by the Jets, who really were bidding against themselves and ended up paying him still a lot of money. But I think in the net, he still lost like $15, $20 million by sitting out the whole year and not taking what the Pittsburgh Steelers offered him. And now look at him. He's playing on on the New York Jets, who are just terrible rather than playing for one of the biggest, most well-known brands in the NFL. That stuff matters. It all matters. It all factors into your your earning potential off the field, as well as your ability to have success on it, and therefore increase your recognizability with football fans across the nation. So I, like, to, to be honest with you, I wouldn't be more comfortable giving than giving Dak, like, 80 million. And I understand the economics of football and that you have to overpay for quarterbacks. So if they had to pay him, you know, about what Jared Goff or Carson Wentz have gotten, then fine. You know, that's just that's just the the cost of doing business as they say, right? I mean, Kirk Cousins got a ton of money from the Vikings. Is he worth that? No. But that's just the going rate for an above average NFL quarterback. A guy that is a starting level quarterback on his second and third contract gets expensive. So that and that and Dak is certainly franchise level quarterback worthy. He's certainly worth more than Kirk Cousins, right? But if he's turning down hundred plus million on the in guaranteed at this money, at, at this stage, I just think that that's absolutely insane. 
So we'll move on to some other free agents here. Leonard Williams is another one. The Giants are going to transition tag him after reports leaked out that he and the New York Giants are, in quotes, not close on a new contract. And this is just hilarious because our boy Davey Gettleman is back at it again. Davey G has no idea what he's doing. He acquires Leonard Williams from the New York Jets. Uh, then it, it, at the end of the year, we look back and we reflect on Leonard Williams, who is now an impending free agent, which Gettleman knew at the time of this trade. He racked up, ready for this, drum roll, 0.5 sacks between the two teams in the course of the 2019 season. 0.5 sacks for Leonard Williams. A guy that was a high draft pick that has done nothing but disappoint since he was drafted to by the New York Jets back in, oh, that was five years ago now, so that would have been 2016? Uh, 2015, maybe. Whatever. Uh, I'm not going to figure it out right now. But in so you're about to tag this guy and pay him a ton of money, ton of cash. Now whether or not you whether or not they trade him or not, I can't imagine they're they'll trade him under the transition tag cuz I just can't imagine another team's going to be willing to pay him that. You're about to transition tag a guy that had 0.5 sacks in the 2019 season that has had 17 sacks over the course of his entire career. First of all, Gettleman, why the fuck did you give up sources to acquire a guy like that? A. B. Now you're about to lose him <laughs> after like half a season in which you were never going to make the playoffs anyways. So you essentially just gave away assets if, if you're unable to bring him back. And even if you're able to bring him back, you're so far away on a contract that you're going to hamstring yourself in bringing him back. It is just an absolute folly by this New York Giants front office that has no clue what they're doing. With the Daniel Jones pick last year to the Leonard Williams trade and now this debacle, their lucky Saquon fell in their lap a season ago. I mean, they are a ship without a rudder. And I I, I don't understand. I mean, he's the, he's got to be the next on the chopping block. It's not like the front office turns over like the head coach, but from the McAdoo hire to the... Uh, the uh, Pat, oh geez, what the hell is the guy's name that they just fired this year? And now they're they did, and then they they botched the uh, the Matt Rule hiring, and instead had to hire Joe Judge, the special teams guy from the New England Patriots, Pat Shermer. That's who it is. You go from McAdoo to Pat Shermer to now this Joe Judge guy, who again has not been a head coach yet. We can speculate all we want, but until he shows us something, we can't really crush the guy too bad. But we can crush the way they went about it because they wanted Matt Rule and they lost out on him because Davey G couldn't close the deal. And now he's not going to be able to close the deal with Leonard Williams. He's going to have to overpay a shitload to put him on the transition tag after he gave up picks to acquire him. It's just a complete shit show. For the New York football giants, one of the proudest organizations in professional football. And I just have no idea what he's doing. And he is going to screw up another draft for them, likely. I I, I don't know what his plans are, but, I mean, he was the only one that I think was going to ever take Daniel Jones in the first round. He 
uh, has now botched the head coach hiring twice, and now this Leonard Williams. It's just the latest in the next line. If you're a Giants fan, I mean, it's not even close to Redskins level, but it's at the point where it's like, I, f- I mean, we have Saquon. It's it's like the Detroit Lions with Barry Sanders. I mean, what are they going to do? Unless Daniel Jones turns out to be some stud, which I think we can all agree is unlikely to happen. They're they're in some trouble, man. Trent Williams, another another Williams player in a free agency. Trent Williams, obviously on the Redskins. We talked a little bit about his situation over the course of the season, his uh, disagreements with Bruce Allen, Dan Snyder, and uh, the staff there. Ron Rivera has reached out to him and had talks. Uh, it, it looks like he's not going to be back. I can't imagine. Here's the tricky thing for Trent Williams. He had, you know, the disagreement and the grievance with the Redskins. He had that weird cancer thing. I remember he said to the media, uh, on like a weird tumor on his head or his neck that they wouldn't let him get checked out. Uh, and, and he's 31 years old now is the thing too. So although he's a really good left tackle, you're acquiring a player that's on the wrong side of 30. You're acquiring a player that has had injury trouble and you're acquiring a player that is currently in a dispute with his front office. Now, I don't think that you red flag his dispute with the Redskins given their track record and how stupid those motherfuckers are, but I, I do. I am hesitant to give him a large contract just because of. I mean, he took the entire last season off. He's been riddled with injuries. He ha- has this cancer thing. I mean, who really knows? You can't really hamstring yourself by giving a player like that a large contract. I'm really interested to see where he signs and what he signs for and what the guaranteed money is. At the end of the day, the guaranteed money is all that matters. And I'm really interested to see what he brings in and guarantees. There are a ton of tackle needy teams. He plays a premier position, like I said. And so there may be some desperate teams out there that could really use his services and would be willing to pay him premier tackle numbers. But I, I got to tell you, I don't think I'd want to do it, and I, I don't think I, I would be able to pull the trigger on something like that. Jack Conklin, another tackle for the Tennessee Titans. We mentioned that earlier on. Uh, looks like he's going to hit the market. I don't think that the Titans are going to bring him back. Uh, obviously, if they're in negotiations with Tom Brady, they're going to need to reserve a decent amount of assets to bring him in. He's not going to be cheap. Uh, so... Uh, Jack Conklin looks like he's headed elsewhere. It feels like the Browns are going to be players for him. They desperately need tackle help, especially after Greg Robinson got pulled over with like, what, 300 pounds of weed or something like like uh, an ungodly amount of marijuana in his car. Uh, so he's done, <laughs> and they need to tackle desperately now. They traded away uh, the guard last year, um, so... They they really need linemen. I, it looks like they're going to be in on him. It'll be interesting to see where he signs. I think he's the best offensive lineman available out of Michigan State. Uh, played on the opposite side of Taylor Lewan, a Michigan guy. So they were bookends there in Tennessee. And when you combined that with the interior line, they were really a pretty impressive group. So uh, I think Jack Conklin deserves whatever he gets in free agency. And... Uh, We'll have to see what he does get. My dog's kind of freaking out. <laughs> Lulu! <laughs> I 
I'm leaving this in the podcast. Me and my dog are hanging out recording the pod, and uh, Lulu, Lulu might have heard, heard, heard some people, heard some bunnies outside. But uh, that'll wrap it up for our free agency talk. I want to hit on the uh, the draft needs here of some of these teams. We're not going to get super deep into the draft. We are six weeks away from the draft, and I am just wrapping up kind of my uh, work on all of the different prospects. Uh, we will be doing all sorts of the, of the draft stuff as it gets closer to. Probably do some fun video stuff. Um, but I don't, I, since we're at the start of the league year, it's kind of free agency's time. I want to, I want to let that kind of dominate the podcast, but I think that we can at least talk about some of the team needs of some of these, of some of these teams and what they could be going after, especially in the early rounds. Now, I think first we'll evaluate the quarterback needy teams. Cincinnati, obviously most likely 99% sure they're going to go with Joe Burrow. That would leave then. The next team that would need a quarterback is picking at five. That's the Miami Dolphins. Then the uh, Los Angeles Chargers at six. Those are really the three teams. Uh, Indianapolis could go for a quarterback. They, I think, could be a team that could double dip. They're in talks with Phillip Rivers, and by all accounts and reports, I hear that uh, that's the most likely place where he could sign. I do still like Tampa Bay for him, but okay. It sounds like he's going to go uh, to Indianapolis, and, it, and it's uh, hard to fault him with uh, the the structure and the uh, continuity they have in the front office. It's a very well-run organization right now under Frank Reich and uh, Chris Ballard. Um, so the Indianapolis Colts, I think, could be a team that could double dip because they feel like they're a quarterback away from competing in the AFC, and they would get that in Phil, and he's so close to retirement then that you could take a premium pick on a quarterback and develop him under Phil. So they're a team that I think could be in play for one. If a guy st- slips and starts to fall, some teams that are drafting later on and could jump up are the New England Patriots. Uh, it's been rumored that the Green Bay Packers could do it. The Minnesota Vikings could do it. Uh, there are a host of other teams kind of drafting later that either have older quarterbacks or are in need of drafting the next guy that could take a shot if they fall in love with somebody. Now we look at some of the other other team needs. Uh, we won't go over running back. It looks like Oakland's dead set on taking a wide receiver. I can't imagine with one of their, I think they have two picks in the first round. I can't imagine that one of those isn't one of the premier wideouts. They pick right in the teens. It's right in the hot spot for where all those guys are going to go. I cannot imagine Mike Mack and John Gruden don't pull the trigger on one of these uh, elite, elite wide receivers. The Miami Dolphins have three picks in the first round of the draft, and I think they just cut Rashad Jones, so they have holes all over the place, but I think that they're going to stack at, at the offensive position. I think that they're going to take a lot of offensive guys. I think that they could take the quarterback early on and because the, because the picks are scattered throughout the first round. They have one in the top 10, one in the middle of the, of the first round, and one kind of towards the end. I think that they could go quarterback, wide receiver, or lineman, and then running back in that order. They could take a premier back at the back end of that first round to pair with their franchise guy. And so sometimes we see teams stack one side of the ball and try to get really good at one thing and then use free agency or other ways to acquire players to build up the other side of the ball. But I think that Miami, 
who does have a lot of holes, I mean, on both on offense and on defense, is going to choose to try to get as many just premier playmakers as they can. They're in, in vast need of just talent on the roster. And so I think that that's going to be the primary thing. It's kind of really a nice, a freeing uh, thing for the Dolphins because they really, truly can take whoever they feel is the best football player uh, uh, on the board at the given time that they draft. And they can, they can they have the juice and the picks to move around and do some different things. So they'll be a team to watch for on draft night. Um, it feels like the Lions are going to trade out of three. Uh, I can't imagine they stay there. Um, and the nice thing about them is the team that would likely trade up, Chargers or the Dolphins, are drafting five or six. So this could work out really well for Detroit and that they slide back a couple picks, let everybody overdraft the quarterbacks, and they'll still get a premier defensive player, which they desperately need. They could take an Isaiah Simmons type and be totally happy with that. They could take Jeff Okuda. They desperately need a corner. They could take uh, an edge guy. I mean, they, they could go a number of different ways because there's a, there's a lot of holes on that team too. So they're, they're in a pretty good position here to get assets to move back and then to also still draft a player that they would have taken anyways had they sat there and just drafted at three. I, I really can't imagine them sticking and picking. I think it would actually be a mistake if they did that. This is like one of the most obvious trade-down spots of the decade. Uh, acquire some assets and you're still going to get a really, really good player if you only slide back a couple spots to five or six. So uh, another obvious trade out is the 49ers drafting 31. They don't have a pick in the second or the third round. So I'm almost certain there will be another team that will jump up to pick 31 to get an extra pick in the first round. A guy that they, they... find slipping to a value that they want, and they'll come up and grab him, kind of like the Ravens did with uh, Lamar Jackson a couple of seasons ago. Uh, there's been some rumblings that the Redskins could go with another quarterback. I, I don't I don't think that that's possible at all for them, um, and here's why. They have a really stacked quarterback room already, at least in their eyes. I, and I just mean humans, not in terms of talent, because I'm not really a believer in any of the guys they have there. But keep in mind... They have Case Keenum on the roster. They have Alex Smith still rehabbing on the roster. And they have what they believe to be their franchise quarterback in Dwayne Haskins on the roster. Keep in mind, Dan Snyder runs the most dysfunctional organization in pro sports. And he is the one that wanted to pick Haskins. They're not going to bail on him one and done like the Cardinals did to Josh Rosen. I don't think that that is really in play here at all. So... If, if the pick is anything else but Chase Young at two, if, I, do, I do not believe that they're going to take two or somebody else at, with the second overall pick. There's just no way. I, it's a fun conversation to have, and we can play the game of two is better than Haskins. Oh, of course he is. He's a much better prospect than Dwayne Haskins. But the, the point being is that Snyder took him a year ago. He's not just going to turn around and bail on him. Look how hard the Bears are doing. Look, look how tough of a time Ryan Pace is doing on whether or not to uh, extend the fifth-year option to Mitch Trubisky or not. The, the Bears still can't make up their mind that he probably isn't very good. And he's about to go into his fourth pro season. I mean, they, these guys do not want to admit that they're wrong on these high draft pick first round quarterbacks. So there's no way that the Redskins are going to say, oh yeah, maybe Dwayne Haskins isn't that good. Let's draft Tua. No fucking chance. No chance at all. Uh, as far as the Lions trading Stafford 
and maybe taking a quarterback at three. I believe that's also bullshit. That is a complete farce. Uh, the the dead cap hit for Matt Stafford, I looked it up on, uh, I think it was Spot Track. Yeah, that guy does an ex- excellent job. Uh, go to that website if you're ever trying to get more uh, well-versed in the finances of the NFL. Uh, Spot Track is an excellent place. His dead cap hit is astronomical if they were to trade him. So it, it would account for so much of the cap, they couldn't fill the team if they traded him. And he wouldn't even be on the roster then at that point. So there's no way that they trade Stafford. Could they draft a guy under him? I, I suppose. But there's no way that they can trade him. The dead cap hit is just way too high. That's lazy journalism. Uh, those rumors, it, it's not going to happen. So uh, Stafford will be the starting quarterback for the Lions in 2020. And there, I really don't think there's any way that they take a QB. Well, that will wrap things up for our show here. Uh, thank you for hanging out with us. A little bit different style show. I know we didn't do the segments today. Uh, let, let me know if you like it, uh, and we can stick with it. We'll probably be back to the normal format next week. Just uh, with uh, the way things had uh, worked out this week, I just felt like, hey, let's just run and gun. Let's just knock this bad boy out, and uh, I think we talked some good football. So thank you so much for making us a part of your day. Go follow Blitz, Blitz BOTB on uh twitter uh go follow bruise bruise on the balcony twitter facebook instagram and now thanks to nick tiktok <laughs> we're in the tiktok game so uh thank you so much for uh listening and we'll see you next week